Our second reading comes from the book of Galatians. And all my sermon pages are facing the wrong way. One second. Comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Listen for a word from God. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you have made us beloved children. Amen. We're entering into that in-between time of the calendar. The joy of Christmas Day has concluded, and we anticipate looking forward to next year. We reflect on what the past year has held, and we wonder what we will experience in the next. Last year, I remember, in December 2019, many young people said, This is our year. 2020, New Year's Eve and Christmas are both on Fridays. Cinco de Mayo is on Taco Tuesday. Fourth of July on Saturday, Halloween on a Saturday, this is going to be a great year. Yet, as we all know, each one of those holidays has gone differently than we expected. But still, it's a time for reflection and anticipation. This past week, one of my favorite podcasts participated in that reflection. They had people from all over the world call in and tell the good things that happened in 2020. The rationale was, as you know, it's been a difficult year, so let's hear about the good things happened because it wasn't all bad. And the stories ranged from learning to play trumpet to getting married. They ranged from reconciling a fractured parent-child relationship to getting a PlayStation 5. They ranged from a child riding their bike for the first time to a little boy sharing that he got a cat and how much he loved his cat. It's quite the spectrum, quite the different levels of reflection, but all things that happened, good things that happened this past year. I think that's important. I think that that's what we need to do often is look back on the last year and be grateful about the unexpected things that 2020 has produced. The new relationships that formed or deepened or the new skills we may have acquired or the fact that Hamilton streamed on Disney Plus so we were actually able to watch it or the ways we saw people care for each other in new and creative ways. These are all wonderful and important things to reflect on the good gifts God has given us in the past year. And I think, in general, the church is really good. I think our church is really, really good at collectively looking at the good and joy in our lives, not as an ignorant 
optimism, but in true faithful gratitude to all God has done. However, I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we did not look back at this year and allow ourselves to mourn, to lament the many difficult things from this past year. This isn't a Christmas Eve sermon, so I can talk about how, what a difficult year it is. We didn't get to go to the places we wanted. We didn't get to see all the people we usually see. Many did not get to come to their place of worship for most of the year. There was anxiety in seeing others. Our country faced fierce partisan divides. Our racial inequities were brought to national attention. Many people died from this virus that has occupied the world. It was a difficult year. And we need to have room to collectively, as a community, as a church, to lament and cry out to God saying, Abba, Father, this hurts. We need you. We have felt a lot of pain. Our passage in Galatians has surfaced out of conflict, out of hurt, out of disagreement, out of exclusion. There are those who are saying that the Gentile converts must adhere to the law of Moses. They must be circumcised if they want to be included in the community of faith, if they want to join others. It caused division and it caused hurt amongst the people. And it's in the midst of that fierce divide of those arguments that Paul steps in and says, No, you are all children of God. You have all been adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. There's no way that you can reserve your spot. But it's only by the grace of God that you have been welcomed and loved into this heavenly family. Just as when Jesus was baptized and a dove descended from heaven and a voice called out saying, This is my beloved Son, so does God in your baptism and in God's grace say you are my beloved children. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And as children of God, not as servants or slaves, but children, we have a loving parent who desires to know the hurt and the pain that we're in. Those of you who have been a parent, or maybe those of you who have been an uncle or aunt, or maybe those of you who have been adopted as an uncle or aunt to family friends, don't you want to hear a child's hurts and pains just as much as their joys? Don't you want to hear their fears and their concerns and laments and anxieties just as much as their happy stories? Because in that intimate vulnerable sharing, you become closer. You become connected. You comfort and you heal together. And this is what our God desires of us. That in the collective crying out to God, personally, we can use the word Abba, which in Aramaic means Father. Aramaic was the language Jesus spoke. Jesus cried out, Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was crucified. In this turmoil and pain and hurt, he cried out to God and said, Abba, Father. And we can use those same words that Jesus used 
in the midst of his pain. We have that privilege to join in the lament and the cry out, crying out to God. You know, every season, either read or, if I can, attend a stage play of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Or if I'm feeling super crazy, I'll watch A Muppet's Christmas Carol because I love the Muppets. And what I think we all love about this story, why it's become this timeless tale, is it's the story of transformation. It's the story of redemption. It pushes against the narrative that people don't change. We see a miserly, shut-up old Scrooge transform into a wonderful free-giving, loving, community-oriented person. And why I love this story is because no matter how many times I read it or watch it or visit it, there's something new that strikes me to my core, that strikes me to my heart. This year, as Allie and I read the story out loud, it was the ghost of Christmas past who takes Scrooge to a school, a school that appears to be abandoned, except for one little child who's still there, and that's Scrooge. All alone, he's the only one that remains at the school during the holidays due to the harshness of his father. When Scrooge and the spirit come up, they see child Scrooge sitting down by a small fire reading a book. And when tough old Scrooge sees his past self alone, It says that Scrooge sat down and wept to see his poor forgotten self as he had used to be. Not a latent echo in the house, not a squeak and scuffle from the mice behind the paneling. No, not even the clicking in the fire fell upon the heart of Scrooge with softening influence and thus gave freer passage to his tears. This is the first stop that Scrooge makes in his pilgrimage of transformation. The first place that any of those three ghosts of Christmas past, present, or future take him, it's a place for Scrooge to lament, to acknowledge his own pain. Pain of loneliness, pain of poverty, pain of rejection. And this is the beginning, the catalyst that leads him towards new life that leads him towards transformation. It is the first step in his redemption. And so as we enter into a new calendar year, a new year where we once again have hopes, hope of what God will do in the world, hope in what God will do in us, but first, before we look forward, let us have an honest conversation with God an acknowledgement of the pain we have felt in the past calendar year. Let us be honest with God and say to God, God, Abba, Father in heaven, this past year has possibly been one of the hardest of my life. It's maybe been one of the most stressful, one of the scariest. God, I've cried tears for myself and others more than I have in a long time. God, pain, and I are on a first-name basis. And then after bringing our hurt to God, after confronting our pain, not alone in the darkness, 
but alongside a loving God, then let us look to hope. Then let us look to God for redemption. Then let us look to God for grace, to learn what from the pain we've experienced, to grow in the pain we've felt. Let us release control, as Jesus did. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out, Abba, Father, the next line, after he laments, after he cries out to God, after he gives that distress to God, he follows it up with, yet not what I want, but what you want. Galatians 4 says we are no longer slaves to elemental spirits of the world. We don't have to be slaves to the pain. We don't have to be bound by it when we acknowledge it with God. For freedom comes in the Christ child born to us. Hope comes in Jesus Christ. Transformation comes in being adopted into being the beloved child of God. And as children, let us share our pain with the holy parent who loves us so we might know more truly the good news. The good news that we are not slaves to our past, but free in the belovedness of Christ. Free in being a co-heir with Christ. Free in knowing that God is sovereign and God is in control. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.